0: Okay, good morning Um, again again. So uh, we weren't here last week, we were in East Texas, good old East Texas with uh, my parents and Asher says, every time we're going there, he says, I think we're getting close. I was like, we're not getting close, we've been driving for 40 minutes. It's going to be five hours at least, depending on how much you'll have to pee. It's going to be a long time. He's like, I think we're getting close, you know how I know. Like no, I don't know how you know. He's like because I see trees. It looks like we're in the woods. We're getting close. <laughs> and I'm like yes. And unfortunately, that's where I'm from. The woods <laughs> all the way. But um, it was fun. We had a good time. We uh, we slept a lot, which was awesome. Um, but I, we listened to the we listened to um, Brian speaking. We actually went the whole week and finally listened to it last night while we were laying in bed. But. I know it was a week ago, but what were some, if there were any, highlights of um, the end of Acts 4? Kind of what y'all been thinking through the week or anything that stuck out to you last Sunday? And we won't do this too long. But if anyone has any. It's pertinent to today, so.
1: So he had one of that rhyme that I
0: really liked. He did. <laughs> He did have a rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> what is it?
1: So, uh, like, when, when we're in fear, God draws
0: near. Nice. When in fear, God draws near. What else? I remember the Grinch's heart went before. Yep. What, what made the heart grow three sizes? Or whatever. Four, three sizes? I think three he sizes. Was, yeah,
1: being, doing things for other
0: people. Well. Right. Sacrificial... Giving, kindness, sharing, those things kind of beget themselves, right? They kind of lead to more of that because it's enjoyable. It's not, we always think, uh, we're so strange, I think, as people because we think that generosity is going to feel bad in some way. Or we think sacrificing is going to hurt us really, like actually make our emotions and everything hurt. And I guess sometimes it can, but usually we enjoy it. Usually, sacrifice leads to joy, and generosity kind of gives us this feeling that makes us want to be more generous, right? So, as the heart grows three times its size, like in the Grinch, he he wants to give more. Not the Grinch. We want to give more. Surely he does, but whatever. What else? I was stuck with that too on him saying we always plan in an individualistic mindset. We always plan our future, but we don't mean our future, we mean my future. I'm planning for me, hopefully it fits in with this, is usually how we do it, instead of thinking as planning for our future. And that sounds so crazy to us to hear, I bet, because it does to me, and I'm supposed to... Say that loudly, right? But it sounds hard to say, we are planning together. Because really the bottom line is what, what we imagine and how we think is, yeah, we're planning together as long as it still fits me, as long as I can still consume from it, as long as it still makes sense to me and my family, all these things. Instead of us really being like these people who had everything in common, meaning they commonized their things. Right? They made common everything they had. Instead of doing that, we say, we'll share what's available during my plan, during my goal, during my forward movement. And, and that's kind of where we get into what happens next in the story. Um, and, and a little disclaimer about the story coming up. I want us to be really honest as we talk about it. It's totally okay. The questions we'll ask and the things we might say. Um, but we get to talk about Ananias and Sapphira. And if you have heard the story at all, it sounds so exciting to get to talk about on a Sunday morning with, with your friends and closest people. If you haven't, it's a good one. It's a real good one. So let's get to Acts 5. And we're in this point again where the church is making everything common things. Okay, um, And I'm going to back up a little bit to the end of 4. Um, I'm going to go to verse 34. And there was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. And they laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means sons of encouragement, or son of encouragement, Eleva, a neighbor, or a native of Cyprus, sold a field belonging to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet." Okay, again, this sounds nice and sounds like, yeah, they should. It's the early church. That's what the early church does. But that's like saying, you know, we hear that one of us has need and it's going to be tight paying rent or something. And so what we do is we all gather together the things we can sell. We have two vehicles at our house. It'd be like us saying, oh, we should at least sell one of them and give all of the money to a local pot for all of us to draw from and do. That just is different to us. That's different. Because one car would be inconvenient for us. It would be this. It would be that. Right? How would we do this and that? It would change our life in a way that's uncomfortable. Even though plenty of people get by with no cars. And it's more important for someone to be stable in their home. That's strange to us. Right? Or for someone to be like, you know what? We could actually live in a less expensive house. Let's sell our house. Not put it in a trust fund for our kids for college or anything like that. Let's just sell our house and give the money to my friend over here who's going through a difficult time financially. We just don't do that. It's just outside of our scope. And so it seems like that's a fairy tale a long time ago that used to happen. Okay? But people do still do this, by the way, just not here in Austin, Texas, probably so much. But after that happens and that begins to happen, Barnabas sells his piece of land. We have the first of chapter five. But a man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. And with the wife's knowledge he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, "Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did you not did it not remain your own? And after it sold, it, it, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you've contrived in your heart this deed? You've not lied to man but to God." And when Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. He died immediately. And great fear, obviously, came upon all who heard about it. The young man rose up and wrapped him and carried him out and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Then Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yeah, for so much. Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young men came, they found her dead. They carried her and buried her beside the husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard these things. Now, yes, wow is correct. (laughs) It just, it just kind of escalated quickly, it feels like. <laughs> Everyone's sharing. Everyone has everything in common. People are like, oh, there's needy among us. Let's sell some land. Oh, that sounds great. People start doing this, and these other two people sell the land. Let's put this in our own words real quick before we talk about how it makes us respond. What happens? They sell the land, and then what? What do they do? They keep some of the money, and they do what? How do we know that? How do we know that? Yeah, they kept back. It's okay. No, no, no. Right. You know it because they agree to something. It doesn't express. It's just as they agree to keep some of it back. He dies. And then she does what?
1: She gets asked, how much did you sell the land for? And she says, yep, yeah, that's the amount. Right. And that was not.
0: The and that's not the right amount. She gets killed also, right? I was, telling, I was telling Brian, I was being a little sacrilegious earlier, I was telling Brian, the thing that's so weird to my crazy brain in this story is what the apostle tells her, how dramatically he tells her that she's going to die next, you know? He's not like, that was a bad choice. You're going to be killed. No, he does it like he knows it's going to be written down or something, right? He says, Peter says... <laughs> I'm not laughing at this. This is terrible to laugh at. Behold, the feet of those who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out as well. That's awful. Okay? This is serious. What is your reaction to this? You're all wide-eyed, which is really interesting to me, especially Meg, more than normal even. (laughs) Meg normally looks at me sometimes like, I can't believe you just said that, but I know it's just Meg's thinking look, right? And then just then, though, it was extra enormous, which was awesome. It's good. It's good. It's fine.
1: Is. oh how convenient this perfect like boogeyman man story that now you can tell everybody if you cheat people and lie you're going to get struck you
0: don't share yeah it's con- it can be convenient <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to share this with Asher and Tobin. we're not going to share this story with him what else what else do you think it's an honest reaction what else Yeah, seems quick, right?
1: Yeah, my question is if it's a one-off or if this could happen today.
0: (laughs) Right? Yeah. I mean, so on that note. Right. Okay, we're coming back to that. That we're going to spend a lot of time with. I, actually, one of us—I uh, won't say who. One of us called me like a month ago, or six weeks ago. It was like, I really want to talk to you about a passage in Acts. It's kind of concerning to me. And I was like, That <laughs> I know which one it is. <laughs> and the person was like, I don't know. I don't know if you're going to know. And I was like, Okay. So I go to their house, sure enough, and I fire. And the person was like, what is happening here? What is this? They died? I was like, they did. They did. That is true. That is what's read. And the question was, is this like telling us this will happen to you? And I was like, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know for sure, right? I, I can't say no. That's not going to kill you for deceiving because obviously that's not true. That's not true. Right, a lot of times, just the consequences for deceiving can be death. Right, just the natural consequences of the order of things cause bad things to happen when deception happens or whatever. But this one confuses us. It concerns us, right? And that was that person's question too: Is this a one-off? Should I be concerned with my? And I was like, Well, I mean, yes, you should be concerned if you just deceive for, you know, for the sake or for whatever reason. This is we didn't even get to that, but I was like, Yeah, don't do that. I can't tell you God's going to kill you if you do. That just feels weird, right? But I, I don't know. I got what else? What else are some of the reactions? Well,
1: I mean, do like do we infer that God killed? Right.
0: That's a good question. Like, and I can't think of another example at the moment where you can very specifically.
1: I don't know. Maybe some...
0: What do y'all think? Right. What's inferred? I mean, right. It's a, it's a, yeah, I can, can
1: judge
0: No, yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm with you. It, Peter doesn't seem to do it. The second one, he says it's going to happen, though. Right? So is he part of this? Right, right. We can ask all those questions. I think the most important one, though, is this deception idea. And I want to ask your thoughts on two things. Two things. Why the deception, number one, and what made the deception dirty? Enough for that. And don't even think enough for that. Let's not do that. Let's just, what made the deception, why the deception, and what made it wrong? Or what made it ugly, or dirty, or or wicked, whatever word you want to use. So what are y'all's thoughts? What, why the deception? Why? Why? Why the deception, though? I'm not asking why they held the money. Yeah, why they held the money? And, and it seems, let's just do this route right up to front And i I'm not arguing with you, but here's, here's what he says, though, too. Peter says to them, why did you agree to do this? He said, um, uh, what's he say? Why did you agree to do this? Wait, I went too far. Oh, yeah. While it remained unsold, did it not remain yours? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? He tells them, you can do whatever you want with this. There's, there's no mandate here for people to start selling their land. This is not and, and I think Peter makes it clear here, and, and Scripture makes it clear to include that statement from him, to remind us that's not a mandate. The mandate wasn't, you better sell your stuff and give it to the other people in need. It was good that they did it and everyone started doing it and it became normal practice, but it absolutely was not the problem. He says, the land was yours. Why did you, you didn't even have to sell it. He's like, you didn't have to sell the land But you did, and then even when you sold it, it was at your disposal. You didn't have to do this. You didn't have to lie. You didn't have to say you were giving it all. Go to whatever restaurant you can think of and spend all the money there. Buy sheep or something. Whatever you want to do, you didn't have to do this. So again, why the deception? Honestly, it'll make it easier to answer that question if we said, why would I do that deception?
1: Like, look, lie to me. I'm not going to know. But the fact that you don't believe the Holy Spirit is a real person, like you negate a third of the Trinity, it's being serious. Yeah, it's like lie to me, but you lied
0: to God. Right. Right. For appearance. For appearance sake. What would be the appearance they would want?
1: Generosity.
0: They want to seem to be the ones that are so generous, also being some that give the money. They sold land for away, I mean, right?
1: There's, there's a really good trend in the community happening, and then they're taking advantage of the really good trend for their own it's small you know, benefit. And they're corrupting a really great
0: thing. And what would the benefit be? Uh, they look good.
1: Yeah, I mean, here
0: you look generous, right. right? What else? Why else would they lie?
1: someone on the side, do this and that, no one has to
0: know about it, and then we can also get it. What else? Why else would they? Why the deception? They don't think we can get found out this idea of keeping one foot in this new way of church and community and one foot out of it. This appearances of wanting to keep up showing how generous they are. It
1: seems like Reason why they couldn't just openly have said, "I sold the land for a hundred thousand dollars, but I'm choosing to give you half of it." Like that would have. There's some reason why that wouldn't have been accepted. And I kind of feel like everyone's getting peer pressured into doing another thing, even though there's no law or contract that they all entered into. Peter seems pretty like hardline on this. I don't know. Hardline
0: Actually, on what part?
1: Just I don't know that. That they expected at all. I don't know. Even though there's not like some rule about it, it's clearly not acceptable not to do that. To only say openly, I'm going to keep half and give the church half. Isn't that great? Whereas maybe in our society, we'd say, anything you give the church, it's awesome. Great. Thank you so much. Not like you didn't give it all, though. See, and I think...
0: uh, Go ahead. You you first.
1: I think it goes back to some of the Old Testament. uh, Like in Chronicles when he talks about the sacrifice that people give and you know they're supposed to give like they're uh, a spotless animal and you know they start giving uh, sin sacrifices in the temple that are lame animals and stuff like that and, and it's basically like they're holding they're holding the best back for themselves and not giving it to God and God says I don't want it he, he basically says you know Like, this is is a joke, right? Oh, like, you're not taking this seriously. Yeah, of course. That is definitely,
0: that is definitely in much of the, much of the problems they begin to have sacrificially and with the tabernacle, even as a whole, stems from this. It stems from partially this. This idea of, you know what? No, I don't want to give God or the community or whatever else the things that's been asked of me. I think the tension here is, if that was a mandate here, I think we would say, yeah, they messed up. I think the ambiguity of the way they're starting to live the life, and the way there is no law for this in their body and in their church, is, does cause us tension. And when I think about this passage seriously, and not just on its face, like, wow, that escalated quickly, and silly about it, or whatever, I, I really think part of the ambiguity is right there. Y'all, I think, said it very well, is that it seems like, because the examples were given, are that people are giving everything they have, right? So it seems like, oh man, he's peer pressured into supposed to, or supposed to give everything. And then the other side of that is like, well, then give everything. It's not yours anyway, right? We say that, and it sounds nice. It, it sounds nice for Lily and I, even at home, to be like, well, you know, everything we've been given is really God's. We're just supposed to do with it what... But really, really, do we live and act that way? Or do we act like we'll give some of it to God's purposes and to God's kingdom, and the other part, I really want to make me feel very safe and secure, or I just want to eat better cheese, or whatever else it is, right? It's, we have this tension with us. We do. We do. And I think part of it is, I, I would say, in all seriousness, clearly to this, the way Peter responds does show, I feel like, you could do whatever you want with this. The deception is, is partially the danger. If they sell it for $100,000, someone said that well, while ago, and give $50,000, that is a lot of money, right? No matter what the land sold for, it's a lot of money for their community, more than likely, right? More than likely, it's substantial. But what they do is they deceive. And the reasons they do, I think y'all have said, But again, now going back to what is so terrible about that deception, I think you're hitting part of it, is that they don't see this as a sacrifice to God. It's clear that they don't because Peter says, you didn't just lie to people, you lied to God, right? They're giving not just to people, but to God, and they didn't see it that way. These two people didn't. I think a lot of times we don't see it that way either. We feel like we're giving to a cause or an organization or to Church at East, or to um, uh, someone raising money for foster care, or whatever else it is, we're giving to that. When it's clear here that that's not all we're doing. That's not all you're giving to. You are actively, as doing that, participating in the kingdom and giving towards its ends and its goals, that's giving to the Spirit of God, to God himself. The whole deal, right? But we don't see things that way. Too often, we really don't. And this is, if anything, a reminder that yes, you are also giving to God with whatever you're giving, with whatever you're saying, whatever you're singing. What else? What else makes that deception so bad? What makes it ugly? Does, does Jesus talk about people that want to see as generous? What does Jesus say about those folks? Jesus himself. Right. Do your acts of righteousness behind closed doors. Right. 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 It says that they blow and they would literally blow trumpets saying I'm going to give alms now, right? And they would go and they would say they loved there's a story about the, the the woman who gives the two mites, or the pennies or whatever the amount is. It's this idea that they loved hearing the cha- hearing the money hit the bag or hearing the money be received, or the clanging of what they were doing was, it was delicious to them, right? It was that idea. And Jesus says, woe to you that do that, for I tell you, you're receiving your reward. That's all that you're going to get from that. That's it. People will think you're great. Congratulations. He says instead, even secret, and he also says, don't let what know what the what is doing. Don't let the right hand know what the left hand is doing, right? Have absent-minded hands. That idea of freely giving hands. That don't scheme about it, right? That just freely do that. The fact that Jesus spends so much time talking about it, he also says what? You can't serve what and what? Got him money. Mammon. Security. Means. What else? What else does Jesus say about it? And what else makes it ugly? Just we can go what else makes that deception ugly?
1: lot at stake and so it has
0: to get the stopped there's so much at stake or else you know i think brian did an amazing job last week talking about the purity of this new we they were forming this new beautiful community where people were making things common that weren't common they were they were saying everything i have can be for this community right everything i am can be for it. They just got together, the apostles were just threatened with violence, threatened with removal from their religion, from their God, from their whatever, they were threatened with this, and they, they prayed and took a lot of themselves, and they said, no, we're doing this together. They asked for boldness, the place was shook, they were filled with boldness in the spirit of God, and went out and began to change the world, and then this deception starts making that dirty, making this giving of things, making this, this beautiful show of no, it's no longer me but us. I am no longer putting myself ahead of everyone but I'm saying no y'all are more important than myself and when that started to get dirty, when this happened and it began to make it gross it seemed like a big deal. I think we know that. When we hear televangelists send letter after letter to our great-grandmother to get more and more money from them, we hate it. It's disgusting to us, right? It's gross. And yeah, they, didn't, they weren't doing that. I think you're right. This, this tainting the water early seemed like a big deal. What else? What else makes this deception
1: There's almost like a, there, there's an ulterior motive that's clearly behind him. He and his wife are scheming behind closed doors on how they want to go about this. Um, that's, that's not the way. It can, yeah. at
0: all. No. It really is a situation, and, and again, we, we forget that they're planning it. A situation that would be like the two of you. Giving and it being made open, and you deciding together at home to purposefully lie about how you got it or how it happened or whatever to make yourselves look better and then fulfill it. That, I mean, it's, that's deep down, that is dirty. It's not just about they're holding money back, it's, it's this idea of let's plan to make ourselves look this way, let's plan to deceive this community that is full right now of openness. And truth it seems full of transparency full of not being afraid anymore about, about the, the sacrifices that they're going to give and trying to push forward in that way and, and then these two come and they scheme against that purity and I, I'll be really honest I think this is I mean such a harsh yeah go ahead first before I go yeah yeah Of this system. Yes, also.
1: Not trusting that it's going to protect everybody and that it's going to work out. And so they feel insecure about that and so want to take care of themselves.
0: That's a very good thought. Brian mentioned that last week even. Saying that they just really trusted the people they gave all this money to to do right with it. Right? The early church is starting to do that. They're like, here apostles, we're laying this at your feet. They're not like, hey, please get this to so-and-so. He really needs it. They just lay it at the feet of the apostles and they just do with it what the Holy Spirit is asking to do. Yes, there probably is some of that. There's probably some insecurity about that. Some, I don't know if I trust that they're going to do best with this, that this is going to be the best. And, and yes, that is probably very much of it. I'm still just stuck on the like planning to not say that. Planning to say no, just pretend we do. Me and you, if anyone asks us, this is how much we got from the land, right? That idea. And I think, I think that insecurity is part of a danger to this people, a danger to this kingdom. That again, this is open trust, open, open lives, transparency, and being really honest. And not, I don't think being sacrilegious about it at all even with it being lying to God, even with them just wanting to look better, with the mistrust, all those things, even if we just, even if there were no apologies for them, if if none of us, if all of us were like railing against them even, that still to me seems like a very big punishment. Right? It does. It does to me. But it also shows, I feel like it shows me and needs to show us very clearly how much God cared about the purity of, of generosity, how much God cared about the purity of that transparency of the church, how much God cared about how people's hearts were so open and they, it, was, it was about to get ugly. People were going to begin to one-up each other and give more and be seen as the most righteous and people were going to be this and, and the church was going to look like it does to so many people and it went from that to not trying to speak will, ill of Jesus' bride and that most of the reason people don't want anything to do with the kingdom of heaven that's at hand is because the church seems ugly to them because a lot of times churches do ugly things And it seemed that they wanted to put a stop to that. That the Spirit of God at this point was like, no. Self-aggrandizement is not going to become something that hinders someone from the kingdom of heaven. I will not allow it. I will not allow deceptive generosity to taint these people that are so beautifully giving to each other, making sure everyone has what they need. I'm not going to allow this to continue so that people stop giving because of the way it looks and people will go hungry and starve to death in communities where people have plenty. It seems that this early, beautiful movement in the Spirit of God, this we that was starting to form, was too special and too beautiful and too important for these people to get to screw it up in the very beginning. It seems. And I know that is hard for us to see because of the way it is now. Because, I mean, really, you're asking about is it a one-off or not? I'm glad it is right now. Not a one-off, but I'm glad. But what would it look like if it wasn't? What would the kingdom of heaven through churches look like if, if this was that serious to everyone? And I know it's still that serious to God. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm fumbling through this part. But I just think the seriousness of this needs to be noted. I think it's okay for us to wrestle with the consequences of what happened to Ananias and Sapphira for that. It's okay to wrestle with the consequences of giving half measures. I think it's okay to to wrestle with those things. What What I think there's not a lot of need for question about is apparently God thinks this is serious. God wants to protect the purity of this church. God wants to protect the purity of generosity and sacrifice. And that love shown in sacrifice and generosity and giving, the Spirit of God does not seem to want that tainted by selfishness or aggrandizement or wanting to be seen as someone who gives. We're wanting to be seen as a sacrificial person. I think that's important for us to note. So, what I want us to pray through is a couple of things. Number one, your motive for sacrificing. Um, I think you know your motive for sacrificing by how many people you tell that you sacrificed. It's a good telling of it. If you do a sacrificial act or do something beautiful that you feel led to do and then all of a sudden 300 people know it because you shared it with them, I think you know a lot about your heart in that, you know? Right? Um, I think we need to check those things. And I think we need to look at ourselves and we need to ask how first of all, we need to ask also how beautiful we think sacrifice and generosity amongst ourselves is. Probably we think it's convenient and nice when it happens for us and we can be a part of it, that's good and all the, more, all the better, right? But I don't know if we take it as seriously as we should or we think it's as beautiful as we should, right? And then I also just want us to I want us to this week meditate on the idea of what does it look like to lie to the Spirit of God? To be dishonest deep down between ourselves and the Spirit of God. To think we are who we aren't in this way. To, to fool ourselves that we are more righteous than we are. To fool ourselves to think we are more sacrificial than we are. To fool ourselves to think that we are more generous than we are. And I want us to ask God to show us who we are. Show us the, the, the truth in that. And that's that's a hard one. For, I mean, for me personally, that one's very difficult. Um, because you're always, uh, we'll meditate on that and talk about that later. Okay. All right. Let's let's stand and pray together. God, we we want to trust your word even through really hard and confusing. Um, difficult stories, God. We also want to see your church as you do. Want to see the kingdom of ha- heaven that's at hand as beautifully as you do. We too want to and allow us to protect the beauty of a church being a we. Than us, one people. Allow us to find the beauty and importance and purity again in what true religion is, looking after the orphan and the widow and not becoming stained by the world. This, this idea of true religion. We would not let true religion be worshiping the celebrities of Christianity subculture or being as famous as we can by our amount of giving or how well we whatever. Allow us to no longer deceive by presenting a false self to our community. Presenting a self that is holier than we are. Presenting a self that has more together than we do. Presenting a self that is more generous than we actually are. Please cause us to repent from that.